Our scripture lesson today comes from 1 John chapter 3. Let's share in God's good word together. We know love by this, that Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Today I want to open us with a prayer. Lord God, open our eyes to the oppressed, the poor and the brokenhearted. Help us to love them as you love them and as you love us. Amen. Growing up in my family, we didn't celebrate much. My dad was a pastor and we had family responsibilities every Christmas. We served, we helped, we went to worship Sunday morning and youth group Sunday afternoon. And some years we even had Sunday night church too. My sister's birthday and my mom's birthday and my birthday were all in October and November and we pretty much simply had a normal day on those days, on our birthdays. It simply ended with what we'd asked mom to cook for dinner. Now, we got cards in the mail from our grandmothers, but that was it. My parents both had master's degrees, but until my sister and I were in middle school, I'm pretty sure our family was eligible for food stamps and government assistance. My parents never took it, of course, because that would have been an embarrassment to the church. We ate a lot of leftovers. And, of course, whatever mom had canned over the summer. Now, why do I tell you this now? Well, what that meant for me and my sister was that nearly every basic thing that we needed through the year, we got at Christmas. Our Christmas gifts were socks, underwear, and a new pair of jeans for school, and a sweater or a shirt. I was thrilled with the smallest of gifts like Hot Wheels or Matchbox cars. We got a slinky one year that never worked quite like the ones on TV. And our stockings were standard. Every year, the same. An apple, an orange, some gum, and a whole bunch of big nuts that we didn't know how to crack and we never ate. By the time I was in fifth grade, I became obsessed with what I might get for Christmas. The incredible two-album set of Saturday Night Fever had come out, and I, I just had to have it. Now, to be fair, I had not seen the movie, and I still haven't seen the movie, but Disco Inferno and the other groovy disco music and all the rest, they were just too groovy not to have. Now, the real reason I wanted it was to impress my school friends, because we got to bring records to school. Perhaps you've asked for a gift, not because you needed it, but because you wanted to show off in front of your friends. The truth was, my Christmas wish for the album had nothing to do with Jesus and everything with me trying to look like the coolest fifth grader at McKinley Elementary. I'm a little embarrassed to admit that it took me far too long to move from my needs and wants as a child at Christmas to honoring Jesus on his birthday. Maybe it's been a struggle for you too. This year, I want to invite you to consider Jesus' wish list as we experience together a different kind of Christmas. Let's get started. Over the last number of weeks, we have been experiencing a different kind of Christmas. And on week one, I invited us to spend less and to give a dollar more to Christmas mission offering than on your family. 
See, the beauty of this, friends, is that we're not asking you to spend more money. We're asking you to spend the same amount of money in a different kind of way. Just reorient your life towards the things of Jesus. It doesn't take more money. It simply takes a reorienting of our priorities. Spend less to give $1 more to the Christmas mission offering than on your family. We've been doing this for a number of years, and each year we raise more than $100,000 to give away to the poor and the hurting and the thirsty and those who are sick all around the world and right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. So week two, when we give up on our perfect Christmas, we make room for Jesus on his birthday. Friends, Christmas isn't about us. It's about Jesus. It's Jesus' birthday. So let's celebrate him on his birthday and give him what he wants. But we can't do that if we're obsessed with having our own perfect Christmas. And then on week three, we worship a different kind of king who's coming back and values people more than things. We looked at the story in the gospel of the widow that she put in everything that she had. There were 13 boxes in the temple, and she put in everything that she had to help those in need. And Jesus looked at her heart and said, that's what I'm looking for. I want you to be like her. It's not about the amount of money. It's about your heart. And so this week, as we come into Christmas week, I want to ask the question, what does Jesus want? What is Jesus' wish list? And so I want us to go to uh, 1 John uh, as we look at people who knew Jesus firsthand, people who had walked with him and and talked with him and been a part of his ministry and been around eyewitness accounts of people that knew Jesus uh, in the flesh as he walked the earth. And so I want you to hear what the writer of 1 John says. He says, we know love by this, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. You see, for us to lay down our lives is this, our wants, our pride, our preferences, our politics for one another. That's what we lay down. We lay down our lives for Jesus. It's it's not about us. It's not about our wants, our pride, our preferences, our politics. We set those aside. And that's a really big question these days. If If you're willing to set aside these things so you can really worship God and nothing else, we'll have no other gods before him. That's rule number one in our faith life. No other gods before Jesus. No other politics, no other ideologies, no other kings, no other countries, nothing. God first. It's a big ask, but it's the one that leads to life. And then we know that we are to share and to help when we see people in need. The the question is, how does God's love abide in anyone? who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? The answer is it doesn't. It cannot. There's no way that if you have everything you need and you see somebody across the way and they don't have just the basic sustenance of what they need, God says, don't, don't pretend. Don't, don't talk about it. Don't do anything other than go and help them. Uh, in my family, we'd say it like this. First of all, zip it. You don't need to talk about the poor and like, oh, the poor this or the poor that. No, you need to go help them in truth and action. It's not about lip service. It's not about your mood. It's about helping those who need help because that's what Jesus came to do. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. 
So the scripture says this, little children, let us love not in word or speech, no, but in truth and, what's the last word? Say it with me, action. In my family growing up, uh, we would have a phrase. Uh, And now you know that I grew up in church life my whole life, um, and I'm not proud of this, but sometimes driving home from church or from an event, I would hear uh, one of my parents say this. You know, some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You know these folks. These are the folks when you say, hey, can you help me serve this meal uh, for these people in need? And they go, no, 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 I'm busy praying. No, 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 you know, I've, I've got this Bible study that I'm doing. Now, is prayer good? Yes. Is Bible study good? Yes. But it's supposed to lead us into blessing and helping others. And if it doesn't, it's not working. So friends, truth and action, that's what Jesus is looking for. So we are to be about his business this Christmas. You see, God judges us not by our passing moods, not if we're we're moved with compassion, no. Not even our thoughts of compassion, but by our care, our action, our love of others. So what does the Bible say that Jesus really wants for his birthday? What's on Jesus' wish list? Well, first of all, I want you to see that in Jesus' first sermon, the first one we know about in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says exactly what he came for, why he came to earth, and what he's about. So here's what it says in the Gospel of Luke. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, after Jesus is baptized, he's tempted by the devil in the desert. He comes to Nazareth to the synagogue to preach and to teach. The scroll is given to him, and these are the first words that Jesus says in his very first sermon. Jesus says, I am anointed, I am blessed, I am empowered by the Spirit of God to bring good news to the poor. That's what anointed means, right? The Holy Spirit has come upon him to give him everything he needs, to give him holy fuel, to give him grace, to give him power to do what he's come to do. And what has he come to do? He's bringing good news to the poor. And friends, If it's not good news to the poor, then it's not good news. It's it's certainly not Jesus news. If it's not good news to the poor, to the oppressed, to those who are brokenhearted, to those who are downtrodden, to those who need a Savior, then it's not good news, Jesus says. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah who knew hurt, who knew heartbreak, and Jesus is coming to fulfill what could not be done without him. And now we, empowered by that same spirit, are to be about the same business. Now, what's interesting is that as Jesus said this, the reaction to Jesus became increasingly hostile as Jesus' message hit home. Okay, so yes, we we like Isaiah, and we like to think of ourselves as the poor. We like to think of ourselves as those who are persecuted. We like to, and Jesus says, whoa, 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 no, 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 time out, time out. I'm here to help those who are oppressed. I'm here to be good news to the poor. And friends, my hunch is, for most of us in worship today, that's not us. We might be poor in spirit, or we might be in poor health, and yes, we may need God to help us with those things, and and Jesus has come to do that. But when Jesus is quoting Isaiah here, it's not metaphor. It's a reality that Jesus has come to feed the hungry. 
to quench the thirst of the thirsty, to give shelter to those who need it, to give life to those who are struggling. And so are we. So that's his first sermon. Jesus' ministry looks like this. This is the feeding of the 5,000. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. Uh, His cousin John had just been killed. And, And he's in grief and he goes away. But when the crowds heard it, they followed Jesus on foot from the towns. And when Jesus goes ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. Even in the midst of his grief, even in the midst of his hardship, Jesus has compassion and he goes about his healing ministry to care for those who needed care. Jesus showed compassion and cured the sick. He didn't simply give him an aspirin. He didn't simply give him a pat on the back. He didn't say, well, this will get you by for another day. He cured them. He met their need. Now, as Jesus is doing this ministry on a very long day after some very hard news, his followers, the disciples, well, they get tired. Um, He's been doing all this ministry. They've been right there with him. And the disciples got tired and they asked Jesus to send the poor who he was helping, the lame who he was curing, and the exhausted away. Now, as somebody who works with Jesus day in and day out, I get that we get tired. And there's a temptation in all of us to say, Jesus, haven't we done enough? I mean, I've had people ask me, well, Pastor Mark, when is it that we've done enough? I mean, our church has done so much for so many for so long. When, when can't we just say, well, you know, this Christmas is about me? Well, friends, Christmas is never about you. It's about Jesus. And, and so what does Jesus do? This is what Jesus does. The story goes like this. It says, when it was evening, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, this is a deserted place and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. We're tired. And Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And Jesus says that to us today. He's like, I know you're tired. I know it's been a long day, but don't ever send my children away. Give them something to eat. Jesus' response is, you give them something to eat. You can do it. You have the resources. You have the abilities. Give them something to eat. They're hungry. And the disciples say, well, we always say, but Jesus, I don't have anything. I've got nothing. Well, okay, not nothing. There's a kid over here with a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread, but right? They respond, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And they respond like we do. They have not, we don't have anything, Jesus. Well, okay, but but this. And and here's the thing. What does Jesus say to that? To them and to us. He says, bring it. Whatever you have, wherever you are, bring it to me. Bring them here to me. So friends, I want you to think about what you do have. Don't, don't, Don't think about what you don't have. I want you to think about what you do have. And hear Jesus say to you, bring it. It's okay, just bring what you have. I'm not asking you to bring me stuff you don't have. Bring me what you do have. Because here's the miracle of Jesus. Jesus takes what we have and he makes it enough. That's what Jesus does. He's a miracle worker. He can feed the hungry with whatever you have. 
And so the story says, that, says this, goes like this. Then Jesus ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took five loaves and the two fish. He looks up to heaven and he asked his dad to get involved. And he blessed and broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And guess what happened next? All ate and were filled. All of them. All ate and were filled. Yep. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets more than they needed. See, we have more than enough when Jesus gets involved. And those who were about 5,000 men besides women and children, there were thousands and thousands of people fed that day with just what they had. It was enough. Mike Slaughter says it like this. The resources of heaven do not fall from the sky. They are released through God's people. God creates miracles through the resources that you and I hold in our hands. So what does the Bible say about Jesus and what he wants for his birthday? Well, you've heard from Jesus himself in a sermon. You've seen by Jesus' actions. And the prophets that came before Jesus said it like this from the prophet Micah. God has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God wants. And actually, the Bible says, requires. We are to be people of justice. When we see a wrong, we are to be in the business of making it right. Kindness. And not just humility once in a while, but lifelong humility. We are to walk humbly with our God. And here's how we do that. We serve God when we serve others. It's that simple. Let me say that again. We serve God when we serve others. Say it with me. We serve God when we serve others. And again, my mentor Mike Slaughter says this. Jesus doesn't save us to get us into heaven, but to get heaven into us. And around here we know that heaven is where what God wants done is done. Our faith is about God's inbreaking heaven coming to earth in the person of Jesus and for us to be about that work with him. We don't do this just when it's nice and easy and springtime and roses and uh, unicorns and candy and all that. No, we do it day in and day out, sometimes when it feels great and sometimes when it's hard. When it's daylight, when it's dark. And this has been one of the most difficult weeks of ministry um, in my life because I lost a dear friend uh, of mine and to the church. Uh, Jay Wright was our first um, one to wear a pink hat on the job site. He was hilarious. He loved a good joke. And Jay passed away this week. We did his service here on Thursday. Uh, and my prayers are with Melody and the boys and all the family. Um, our kids are about the same age. Uh, Jay was 54, I'm 53. And uh, his passing is a great loss for our church and for me personally. But the great thing about Jay was that, and, and is, is he is just this wonderful larger-than-life personality, thus the pink hat. Here he is uh, in the original uh, chapel, what's now the chapel building, our first sanctuary. And, and in those years, 2006, when we opened in 2007, we more than doubled in size. Uh, our church is what it is today uh, in large part because of Jay Wright. And we thank God for his presence in our lives. 
Now on Transition Sunday, we actually moved over from Cheyenne Middle School and, and drove. We started the service there and then drove over. We celebrated all God had done in those first seven years from 1999 to 2006. We drove over and the worship team was in the chapel playing, I think, Lord, I lift your name on high or something like that. And we all waited outside and we heard them playing and, and the excitement grew. And there you see uh, here I am as a young man. And, and this is Jay's boys, Cooper and Kale and Jay and my son, oldest son, John Mark, Chantel and Carolyn Smith there in the corner, our lay leader. It was a great and wonderful day, one of the best days of my life. It has finally come to pass. We had a place to worship of our own. And those days, as we grew and grew and um, quickly ran out of space, we had great days of celebration. Here's Jay and Emmett and I with their golden shovels, because Jay and Emmett and I spent nearly every day for more than a year out here in a little job trailer when there was nothing else on these 35 acres of land. And because of their faithfulness and their vision and their joy and their service and their grit and their diligence, we are here today. But you might have heard me talk about Jay as the building chair, but what you may not know is, well, long before he was the building chair, um, he was a great person of mission and working for the poor. His family could tell you stories about him getting breakfast sandwiches and taking them to the poor underneath the bridges in Oklahoma City. But I remember the time that Jay and I went to Rio Bravo, Mexico. Before the days of Guatemala and El Salvador and water wells, we had days of building small homes in Rio Bravo, Mexico. We did this over spring break. Rather than going on a ski trip or something else, we went to serve. We simply changed those resources to God's work. And I love Jay for that. We had a great time. And, and one of the great things uh, that happened on that trip was it was early, early in my ministry, and I didn't really know how those trips went. And at the end of the week, after we'd completed the two casitas, the leader on the Mexican side came up to me and said, hey, I don't... I don't know that you know this, but tomorrow is consecration day, and it's the tradition that uh, the teams do a housewarming for the families. And so you might, um, you know, get some things for the family, some furniture, uh, uh, a broom and a dustpan, things so they can keep it nice, you know, things that you might want them to have. We're like, well, great. How do we do this? They said, well, there's a market in town. So you just go to town and buy the things that you think the family might want, uh, get a list from them, and then bring it back and we'll give it to them at consecration. Jay and I said, great. Jay was helping me lead the trip. The problem is that Jay and my Spanish, not so grande. And so we go to what I think is called Soriano's, a huge market, and they were going to close in about 10 minutes. So everybody on our team just spread out as fast as they could to try to find out, to find and bring the things we needed. You know, the things were all marked in Spanish, and it was all in pesos. And we didn't know the conversion rates, didn't do them well in our head, and we just trusted with what God had collected through our team that day at the last minute would be enough to cover the things that we were gathering at the checkout and hoping that our English would translate enough to get us by. I'll never forget Jay's face when they finally rang up everything that everybody had gotten as the store is beginning to close. And the amount of money needed to purchase all of the items that we had gathered over those frantic 10 minutes was exactly the same amount to the dollar. No money left over, no money needed. Because God takes what we have and makes it enough as we serve the poor and those in need. 
See, we don't do this alone, friends. We serve and we celebrate because God is with us. And today I celebrate the life and the legacy of Jay Wright because he knew what was on Jesus' wish list. And now you do too. So our action steps for this week. How will you be good news? How will you be good news to the poor this Christmas? And not just talk about it. How will you really be good news to the poor this week? You can do it. God is with you. And this Christmas, let's honor Jesus on his birthday. We can do it. And we can do it together with the power and love of Christ that goes before us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.